You're listening to So You Want to Be a Writer, the podcast about the world of writing and publishing. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm your co-host and CEO of the Australian Writer Centre, where you'll find courses, resources and a wonderfully supportive writing community. I usually co-host this podcast each week with the very talented Alison Tate, also known as A.L. Tate, author extraordinaire. Her latest book is The Wolf's Howl, the second instalment in the Maven and Reeve mystery series, and it's available now through libraries, bookstores and online. But today, you're listening to one of our in between episodes, where Alison is off on her authory adventures, and we listen to a story session, just you, me and our guest author of the week. This story session is brought to you by the book So You Want to Be a Writer, written by both Alison and myself. Do you want to write a novel or earn an income as a freelance writer? We give you the steps you need to make your dream a reality in the book So You Want to Be a Writer. This book lays out a blueprint to help you get started and thrive in the world of words. With advice from over 120 writers, you'll tap into proven wisdom and find the path that will lead you to success. Find out more at writercentre.com.au slash book. That's writercentre.com.au slash book. But back to our story session where you'll hear directly from our featured author about their writing life and processes, along with the first chapter of their book. Think of it as your own private book reading. This week I've chosen Outback Secrets by Rachel Johns. This is the latest life lit novel from Rachel, whose previous books include the award-winning The Patterson Girls, The Art of Keeping Secrets, The Greatest Gift, and Lost Without You. And as you'll hear from Rachel in her introduction, this is the fifth in her popular Bunyip Bay series, which was meant to be a trilogy. Here's the blurb so you can find out a little bit more about what the book is about. Liam Castle knows the secrets of everyone at Bunyip Bay. As the owner of the pub, he's heard it all, from marriage proposals and farming disasters to family rifts and everything in between. The locals love to confide in him, but no one knows he's hiding a tragic past, and he wants to keep it that way. Agricultural pilot Henrietta Forward lives for her job, choosing work over romance. But when an incident in the air brings Henry home to Bunyip Bay, earlier than planned, she finds herself questioning everything she believes about herself. But Henry's secret isn't her only problem. Her mother will stop at nothing to have her settled down back in the bay, and while Henry has always known domesticity wasn't the life for her, she now wonders what her future holds. So when Liam, always the first to lend a hand to those in need, agrees to play along with Henry's scheme to ward off her mother, she has mixed feelings. What happens when a pretend romance starts to feel like the real thing? Will Henry's demons and Liam's traumatic past prove too great a barrier to love? In her intro, Rachel also answers my questions about her writing process and how she comes up with her characters. So here's Rachel Johns and Outback Secrets. Hi, I'm Rachel Johns and I'm the author of Outback Secrets. Valerie asked me to record the answers to some questions before I narrate the first chapter. So here goes. What inspired you to write this story? In short, it was my reader's. About six years ago, I wrote Outback Dreams, the first in what I thought was going to be three books set in a fictional town called Bunyip Bay. I had an idea, well, as much as a pantser can do, 
for what or rather who the characters would be and what would happen in Outback Dreams, Outback Blaze and Outback Ghost. But I could never have imagined how well the series would be received and how readers would fall in love with Bunyip Bay and its inhabitants. I immediately started receiving requests for more books. And so a few years ago, I wrote Outback Sisters, the story of two of the characters who had appeared in other books. Although I never intended to give them their own story, my subconscious made them perfect for a novel of their own. And this book, I really enjoyed returning to Bunyip Bay, exploring the relationships between the sisters and also writing a rural romance with two romances and four point of view characters. Again, I thought I was done and dusted with Bunyip Bay, but still my readers requested more. Always wanting to please the people who've helped make my career a success, I started wondering if there was anyone else who I'd mentioned in the books who might make a good main character. I love novels set in pubs, restaurants or hotels, and I've already written one myself, Mandrout, which is my second rural romance. And I realised that Liam, the publican in all the Bunyip Bay books, had been present, but we didn't really know anything about who he was or what brought him to Bunyip Bay. Immediately, I decided he would be the perfect hero, and I would play on the fact that we didn't really know anything about him. The tagline came to me next. Liam, the publican, knows the secrets of everyone in Bunyip Bay, but no one knows his secret. From there, I had to work out exactly what his secret was, and then I had to audition heroines. Eventually, I decided on an agricultural pilot because it is a career that fascinates me, but also because I wanted to make sure the heroine had the rural element that might be missing from a publican hero. Two, can you describe your writing process? I wish I could, because then I would know what it was myself. I always laugh when people ask me this question. I guess the word, or the best word to describe how I write is organic. I do next to no planning before I start, although I do a lot of thinking about the story and even more importantly, the characters. To me, the emotions, relationships, goals and motivations of the characters are far more important than the external goings on. I want my characters to drive the plot, so I begin with them and a simple premise or problem for them to face and then I let them tell me the story. I know this sounds rather woo-woo and I'm not actually this way inclined in any other area of my life, but I do believe there's an element of magic in writing. When I trust my gut and try and ignore my self-doubt, things happen on the page that I could never have planned for. I believe my subconscious knows best and I try to give it free reign. This process is both exciting and absolutely terrifying. Exciting because I write in much the same way I read, uh, never knowing what's going to happen on the next page, but making predictions and always thinking a chapter or so ahead. It's terrifying because there's always the worry that a story won't evolve and I'll get to 80 words or so and have no idea how to end it or simply realise that it's not working or there isn't enough for an actual novel. So far, this hasn't happened, although it came terrifyingly close while writing Outback Secrets. I'll tell you more about that in a moment. Three, what's your process for developing characters? There are four main things I need before starting to write a character. Their name, an archetype, a goal, and a wound. Sometimes the name immediately comes to me and I'm like, yes, that's it. Other times I have to go hunting. I guess I have a vague idea in my head before this point because I know what names don't match them. And the moment I find the right one, I just know it. I do like the names of all my point of view characters to be quite different from each other though, because nothing annoys me more than reading a novel where I keep getting confused who's who because the names are so similar. Next, I choose an archetype from a book called The Complete Writer's Guide to Heroes and Heroines. This book lists 16 archetypes that I use as a kind of jumping off point to bring my character to life. There are archetypes like the boss, the bad boy, the librarian, the charmer, and many more. 
Again, by this point, I have a fairly good idea of where my character might sit. I then write notes from the book about that archetype. And as I'm doing this, ideas start sparking and I breathe life into the character. My main characters must have a goal before I start writing, although sometimes it's a fairly wishy-washy one because I develop them as I go into the novel. The goal helps me create a plot because it gives them something to go after and then it's up to me to throw obstacles at them. For instance, in Outback Secrets, Henry the heroine's goal is to recover from an incident at work and to survive Christmas with her family without losing her mind. The hero's goal is to remain the status quo, which is to be part of the Bunyip Bay community without actually letting anyone get close enough to him that he has to share painful aspects of his past. My stories are character-driven, and therefore the goals are often more emotional or internal rather than external. But if I can have external goals as well, that certainly helps. Uh, I guess the last thing I need to know is what has caused my character pain in the past, a wound that has affected them so badly that it stops them living a full life. This can be something like the death of a loved one, a divorce, going bankrupt, anything really. In addition to these major decisions, I also like to give each one of my main characters one word that describes their essence. I keep this word on the wall next to my computer while I'm writing and refer back to it whenever I'm in their point of view and struggling with how they'd behave in a scene or what they would do next. For example, the words for the three main characters in my work in progress are cautious, addicted and lost. Four, you've written a lot of books. How do you find fresh characters, especially when you're working in the same genre, e.g. rural romance? To me, coming up with ideas and fresh plots is far harder than creating fresh characters. My characters become real to me very easily and I believe this makes them unique. No one person I know is alike and so I just make sure that's the same in my writing. Giving each character passions and quirks, interesting careers, pets, dreams and all sorts of other little things helps. I also find the moment I start writing a character, it comes to life and develops a voice of its own. I guess maybe this comes with practice and also the little voice in the back of my head telling me I can't write the same thing over and over again. Five, do you have to be a little bit in love with your male main character in order to write romance? (laughs) Ah, This is funny. I don't think it hurts and I definitely have friends who fall completely head over heels for their heroes. But though I like them and give them traits and values I find appealing in real men, I can't say I'm exactly in love with them. I do have to like their name, though. I can't write a hero without giving them a name that I feel strong and sexy. And actually, this is getting harder and harder the more books I write, as I don't want to reuse character names if possible. Six, what was the most challenging aspect of writing this book? Um, Outback Secrets was actually probably one of the hardest books I've ever written since I first got published. Um, I started thinking I had a good grip on my characters and my idea, but after writing 30,000 words with one heroine, I decided the story simply wasn't working. I won't go into reasons why, because I don't want to bore you all, but I didn't have the faith in my hero and heroine as a couple, I guess. It was a friends to lovers story and a one that got away um, idea. And in the end, I didn't think I believed, well, sorry, I didn't think that I believed in this transition that they could make um, from friends to lovers. So feeling absolutely sick at the thought of throwing away 30,000 words, I decided to start again. This book was already contracted as Liam the publican story, so I couldn't change him, but I could change the heroine. I created a whole new character to walk into the pub and rock his world, and I absolutely loved her. Bridget met him on the night of her brother's funeral, and there was so much heart in this idea. It was going to be about her putting on a pantomime to raise money for rural men's mental health and the hero helping her, even though he hates Christmas. But I wrote 35,000 words of that idea 
and still just couldn't see how I was going to make the timeline work. These two would have had such a lovely romance. I wanted them to, but it just didn't feel right in my gut. By this stage, I had less than two months to deadline, and the thought of sitting down to write each day was making me feel physically ill. So one day I took a nap instead and I woke up with absolute clarity that I had to start all over again. So after scrapping and whopping 65,000 words, I was really feeling the doubt and questioning whether I actually had the ability to finish a book at all. I told myself this was my final chance. I had to come up with yet another heroine for Paul Liam and I had to make it work or I had to give up writing entirely. The doubt stayed with me the entire time I was writing, but somehow I did push on and managed to finish the first draft. It still needed a lot of work after that, more on that in a moment, but it's true what they say. You just have to get the story down because once it's on paper, you can edit and rewrite it, but you can't fix a blank page. So I guess the most challenging aspect of writing Outback Secrets was dealing with the voices inside my head and pushing on despite all the doubt and anxiety that I was feeling. Seven, what was the most rewarding aspect of writing this book? Well, actually finishing it was definitely the most rewarding. But on the flip side of the challenge, it would have to be the revisions from my publisher, which felt like absolute hell at the time, but they did truly make the story uh, stronger. Um, although I had an okay idea, in some ways it did it ticked all the boxes for a rural romance, but it didn't have the depth that my readers have come to expect from my stories. Um, I didn't actually realise this, but my publisher noticed it straight away because I think often we're far too close to our own books. She challenged me to dig deeper into my hero and especially my heroine's issues and to make them face them from the very first page. This included writing a whole new prologue and a number of extra chapters and so, so much more. I feel as if I rewrote this book almost entirely again after she read it, but I know the book is so much stronger than it was because of her telling me that it wasn't good enough and having the faith in me to make it stronger. Number eight, any tips for someone just starting on a writing career in romance writing? Yep. My first tip would be to join Romance Writers of Australia. I was floundering around in the dark trying to write for years without any direction, community or quality teaching about craft before I discovered RWA. The moment I became a member, started reading their monthly magazine, Hearts Talk, participating in forums, getting to meet fellow authors, oh sorry, members and, you know, pre-published authors and published authors, attending online events and their annual conference, I started learning about things that I should have learned in my writing degree at university. I would not be where I am today without the Aussie romance writing community. Um, Secondly, is what everyone says, but I'm going to say it again because it's so true. You need to read, read, and then read some more. You need to read in the genre you want to write in and also anything else you can get your hands on. I think you should read for pleasure first and foremost, but by doing so, you will learn so much about writing, about what works and doesn't work in fiction. I've heard it said that writers should read even more than you write, and I think I probably agree. My third tip is not to rush. It took me many years and many manuscripts before I finally got published. And although I was impatient at the time, I now realise I needed those years to learn my craft, find my unique writing voice and also my niche. I've got nothing against self-publishing. I've got many friends who do it very successfully, but I also see many new writers taking that road after only one or two rejections and they've only written one book simply because they want to be published. It's tempting to just get your work out there, but it's very rare that a first novel or even a second or third is good enough to be published. If you're serious about your writing and want career longevity, focus on writing the best book you can rather than getting something out there as fast as you can.
And finally, only write romance if you absolutely love it. So many people think romance writing might be an easy way to make money, so they attempt to write a romance without any passion for it. Readers of romance will see right through you if you do that. If you want to be a successful romance novelist, my advice is be loud, proud, and a passionate supporter of the genre. Write romance because it makes your heart sing and you want to bring joy to your readers as well. Now I'm going to narrate the first chapter of my book, Outback Secrets. Actually, the first chapter is a prologue. Prologue. Henrietta Forward could already taste the ice-cold beer that was waiting for her back at Anadown Station. A drink, dinner, shower and bed in that order was on her agenda because she was absolutely knackered. She was nearing the end of a busy few weeks aerial mustering in the East Kimberleys, one of the most remote and beautiful parts of Western Australia, and was looking forward to a few days off to catch her breath before driving across the country to the Riverina region of New South Wales. It wasn't that she didn't adore her job. Henry only felt truly alive when she was above the earth, looking down at the varied landscapes she was lucky enough to experience. But the hours were long, and by the end of a stint like this one, she was in dire need of a little R&R. Smiling down at the deep red ground below, she knew she'd never tire of the scenery or the thrill of chasing cattle. Stunning gorges and waterholes were scattered throughout the enormous Anadowns property, not to mention boabs and eucalypts that would soon be a vibrant shade of green due to the wet. She even loved the weirdly shaped termite mounds that poked up from the earth and looked like little cities of mudbrook skyscrapers. This work wasn't her bed and bread and butter because a lot of stations up here used choppers. They made it easier to navigate the trees, although weren't nearly as kind of the cattle in her opinion. But there were still a few station owners who preferred fixed wings and for that she was grateful. The mobs were in decent sizes now and the ringers were starting to move them towards the yards. There was just one last bit of bush to inspect. Henry headed over, feeling adrenaline buzz through her as she spied a couple of cattle in a clearing. If there was one thing certain about mustering, is that where there were some animals, there'd be others close by. The hardest part was encouraging them out of the trees. Once they got going, it was easy enough to keep them moving, especially as she nudged them in the direction of the nearest waterhole. Training her gaze on the destination, she angled the Cessna towards the trees, the goal to startle the cattle with the loud noise of the aircraft, which would encourage them to head in the opposite direction. She needed to get close enough to get them moving, but not so fast as to cause trouble. It was better if the beasts walk rather than run. If they moved too fast, occasionally old girls would leave their calves behind without a backward glance, which did not for happy station owners make. But it soon became apparent this was the least of Henry's problems. Her heart hammered at the sound of a mighty bang as she descended towards the trees. Fuck, the engine, the prop had stopped dead. No, this could not be happening. But even as she prayed to a god she hadn't thought of since Sunday school, that this was all in her vivid imagination. Henry knew that that was not the case. Hadn't she felt something wasn't quite right with the old Continental engine? Earlier in the day, there'd been a slight, almost imperceptible miss now and again. The engine was nearing time for a rebuild and was scheduled to be pulled and overhauled as soon as mustering season was finished. But when she'd stopped to refuel, she'd examined the cowling, checked the oil, and everything had looked fine. Cold fear sliced through her as she realised this was anything but fine, but she didn't have time to panic. Her training took over and instinct set in. Using the speed she still had, Henry gained height again and set up for a forced landing, all the while scanning the area below for a suitable location. A long way from the station's airstrip, she'd need to improvise and hope like hell that fate was on her side. Her hands grew clammy on the controls, and just when she was losing hope of finding anywhere close to suitable, a small clearing presented itself. Determined, she maintained an approach speed as she brought the Cessna lower, then switched everything off after the last flap had been applied. 
She couldn't breathe, her head completely consumed with the most terrifying, most important landing she'd ever made. Oh my God, I did it, she shrieked as the wheels hit the ground and her heart started beating wildly. But the danger wasn't over yet. She needed to keep her wits about her a little longer in order to break heavily and avoid the trees that were rapidly approaching on the other side of the clearing. Small wheels, not made for such rough terrain, bounced along, the noise so horrendous Henry could barely hear herself think. But she had to. She had to fight to keep control. Finally, just when it looked like both she and the aircraft had survived the ordeal unscathed, she jolted in her seat, swearing again as a wheel hit something hard. She didn't have time to wonder what it was, although later she'd identify the culprit as one of the termite mounds she'd been admiring. The leg dislodged and the aircraft slewed around madly. It was over in a heartbeat her final stop anything but graceful. It could have been a lot worse, she told herself as she sat there, dazed and trying to catch her breath. After a long day sitting in high decibel environment of the cockpit, the sound of silence was almost deafening. All she could hear was the ringing in her own ears. The red dust that had been disturbed on impact settled around her and Henry stared out of the cockpit, almost unable to believe what had just happened. Although there'd been some close encounter with power lines in her years flying, that was the nearest she'd ever come to true calamity possibly even death. Suddenly her whole body started to tremble. She forced herself to unbuckle her seatbelt, remove her headset, climb out and examine just how bad the damage was. One undercarriage leg had been bent backwards and right up, lowering the fuselage close to the ground. Bingo, she thought, as she noticed oil smeared back from the engine cowl, telling her exactly why the engine had stopped. Despite her heart still pounding, some of the shock suddenly started to abate, abate and she actually felt slightly proud that she'd known something wasn't quite right. Disaster had threatened and she'd lived to tell the tale. Next time, she'd simply have to pay more attention to her gut. It was a good thing mustering was all but finished, because there was no way that aircraft was going up again any time soon. Parched, and knowing there was nothing more she could do here, Henry grabbed her water bottle from the baggage compartment, shut the cockpit door, and started walking in the direction of the yards. It was a good distance away, but the ringers would have seen her aircraft go down, and she knew it wouldn't be long before they came to her rescue. Thanks so much for listening. Well, that is not your typical damsel in distress. Rachel is well known for creating not just characters, but a community that people love, hence the book being book five in the trilogy. Readers just can't get enough of Bunyip Bay and its residents. But I was surprised that Rachel had to restart the novel three times. It must have been heartbreaking, but that's part of the writing process, right? Even a seasoned writer like Rachel sometimes has to scrap the story and start again. But the more you write, the better you get at it. And I think Rachel was dead on when she said that you have to love romance to write it. I see a lot of people who think it might be easy to write a romance novel, but it it isn't that easy. Romance readers are voracious and they can easily spot a phony. So if you want to make a perfect impression on your romance readers, the best place to start is with our course in romance writing. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, a world leader in writing courses. If you're a fan of romantic fiction and would love to write stories in this hugely popular market, our self-paced course in romance writing will be your perfect match. Romance is the biggest selling genre in fiction and many may think it's easy to write, but a good romance novel is much more than a love story. In fact, more than any other genre, there are crucial structural beats your story must hit to truly captivate your readers and have them coming back for more. This online course is your ultimate guide to writing romance novels that sell. 
Discover everything you need to know from the key tropes, conventions and reader expectations to the variety of subgenres and publishing options available. You'll cover how to craft a tightly structured story, one that's filled with believable characters and intimacy, as well as the right level of heat for your book category. Most importantly, you'll learn the techniques to ensure a satisfying climax every time. And because this is one of our online self-paced courses, you'll enjoy instant access and can learn at your own pace with 12 months access to all course materials. You can find out more at writerscentercomau slash romance. Thanks for listening to this special episode of So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find more details about the podcast and a wealth of writing resources and courses at writerscentre.com.au. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre. Connect with us on social media at writerscentreau, on Twitter and Instagram, and join our free podcast listener community on Facebook. Just search for So You Want to Be a Writer podcast community and request to join. Both Alison and I will be back to our regular programming in your next episode. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to chatting to you again next time.